You are listening to JFPN. It's our AEW epilogue. Of course, in one corner, he's an institution. He is completely ran by a despot who lives inside the forest that is his beard. That's top of the dome from me. It is, of course, beard. <laughs> it's Jay. <laughs> hey, everybody. And, of course, the sprightly young newcomer with the great ass and the funny weight belt that he wears everywhere, even though he doesn't need to. Smashing many a throne with his banter and wit. It is, of course, me, Bear. Hey, Jay. Hey, Rich. What's going on, man? What's this music, man? Hey? What's this music, man? This music is those who fight from Final Fantasy VII. Ah, all makes sense now. Yes, because of course, makes sense. Final Fantasy VII features Sephiroth, who is the One Ring Angel, which is Kenny Omega was named after. Or at least his entire gimmick is based around Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. All makes sense. Anyone who's a wrestling fan and not a video game fan, I just taught you stuff. Um, so, <laughs> AEW. I'm just going to fade that out now. Um, AEW. <laughs> <laughs> and skillfully, I did fade it. Um, AEW, this, <laughs> this weekend, they had their double or nothing pay-per-view extravaganza. Um, oh, wow. Um, initial thoughts, Jay. In fact, before I do go for initial thoughts, I would just like to put a disclaimer in. If you haven't watched AEW's um, Double or Nothing so far, we are not going to do play-by-play in this show. Um, I know that you're kind of getting used to us doing play-by-play for a lot of shows. As you've, as you've noticed, we did it for Money in the Bank. We did it for Strong Style. However... We really hate the WWE product and what it's currently doing a lot of the time. And I feel it would be rather hypocritical for us if we did do play-by-play on the one viable alternative that's entered the American marketplace within the last year. Um, Genuinely, it is a viable alternative. You will hear spoilers on this show. um, But we strongly recommend, if you're in the UK, it's on ITV4. it's available It's available in their on-demand service for the next week, I believe. Um, Fight TV will also allow you to um, have it for up to 90 days um, for a simple charge before it gets syndicated onto the various wrestling networks that are partners with AEW. Um, and I'm pretty sure there will be a special edition Blu-ray and all of that kind of stuff released in the future. Um, strongly recommend however you can get hold of this, you get hold of it and just go mental um, because this is one hell of a pay-per-view with that said don't want to spoil it go watch it now you can always listen to our thoughts later um in regards to it um 
other than that, let's let's just Should move probably forward. go do that now. Yeah, yeah, go do that now. Um, just pause yeah, this do, right I'll now. Do, I'll go watch the whole thing now. <laughs> yeah, just pause this right now, Jay. Um, and off you go, off you go and watch it. Um, because and then we'll, I'll listen to our thoughts later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can listen to our thoughts about it later. Um, Fantastic. Bit of a disclaimer from Jay, I guess. Um, <laughs> Jay has seen portions of the show. I have watched it all twice. Um, and Jay has been my correspondent um, for everything else in the wrestling world for such a long time. I thought I would be. I thought I would. I would take take the reins on this. The Roman reins. I thought I was. <laughs> I thought I would take the reins on this one and take kind of the reins. Yes. Um, and kind of <laughs> grab the ball by the horns. I know that Jay's been very busy. He's obviously he's been to see Super Strong Style 16 recently. So this is this was my way of giving back. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rich. <laughs> no, you're welcome, mate. You are fucking welcome. Anyway, <laughs> started off with the pay-per-view. Um, did you watch any of the pre-show? I have watched the pre-show. Oh, fantastic. Um, that was free. <laughs> yeah, and with the pre-show, yeah. what did you think um, compared to the pre-show on it, WWE it, Network? It was a real pre-show. You had... Not much talking. It was mostly action. Mm-hmm. Only a few backstage segments. Um, yeah, and there was two matches instead of one twenty-minute, maybe mediocre matchup. Yeah, I mean there was twenty-six minutes of wrestling in total in the pre-show, um, which may sound like a small number. However, um, just want to point out that they've recently worked out that um, MLW. Um, on average, has around 29 minutes of wrestling on it. NXT has around 26 minutes on it. Um, so it's kind of similar to an hour of NXT. And, of course, WWE's main product, Monday Night Raw, recently aired an episode um, on May not 20th, the one before that, which the one that was the worst ever. Third... And it had 10 minutes in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> no you believe this. Three hours. How long do you reckon? About 46 minutes. 37. Wow. 37 minutes of wrestling for three hours of television. Off. Yeah. Not um, far off. I will say that with this pre-show as well, there were no commercial breaks. The only real commercial breaks were for the actual product itself, which I was fine with. Had no problem with that for what we got. Um, oh, shall we start with this with this battle roll then? Let's, let's go for it. Yeah, fuck it. Um, so Battle Royal was broken up into um, broken up into four groups: clubs, diamonds, hearts, and spades. With um, a individual getting the Joker card. Um, I believe clubs started first. That would be Dustin Thomas, MJF, Sunny Days, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa. Um, impressions. Oil man. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oil man. That seemed to be his gimmick. Um, impression. Impressions in regards to these guys. Um, um, as, as you've heard our podcast before, you know I'm really high on MJF. Yeah, um, I mean, big things are coming for this guy. Yeah, MJ plays the hill very well. He really does. I mean, we'll be coming back to that later in the show because obviously he had a major, um, major moment later on in the night. Um, but 
Yeah, he's he's just absolutely beautiful in the ring. Um, he's got the mic skills. He's got the he's got the wrestling skills. Really, really something something to look at and see. Um, yeah. <laughs> Goes right after a paraplegic. Anyway, <laughs> well, that would be Dustin a, Thomas. That's a good way to get heat. Um, Dustin Thomas impressed me um, <laughs> overall. How how did you feel about Dustin Thomas overall? Um, I mean, no, he's go on. He's got a, got a few good good moves going off. I'd like to see him in an actual match to see where he actually stands on that. Because obviously, within a battle royal, there's a lot of people in the ring. No pun intended. Um, Not very cool, dude. Um, <laughs> where he stands on that um i would imagine yeah no pun intended oh. but the funny thing is it's got um is a, it's a fairly immediate way to get heat is to beat up on dustin thomas in that kind of situation i guess so um and it, i would be very interested to see how a match is structured featuring um a competitor like dustin thomas i mean there's that perpetual underdog factor which works really well um, obviously, and it's it's a natural fit for him um, for fairly obvious reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. I I will be interested to see where that goes and see what they can make of him. As long as he I may have to look up some of his matches. To be fair, I will be interested too. I enjoyed to I enjoyed seeing him manage a six one nine. I think the audience were very impressed with him. Um, he can bump like a motherfucker um, because he just he just flops, doesn't he? There's no there's no give to him. No, there's no there's no give, mm. and he does flop. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, quite interesting. Um. Sunny Day's fairly good. Um. Fairly fairly good comedy character, as was Michael Nakazawa. Um. Brandon Cutler looks a bit like a Rob Zombie, a guy from Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Fair play. Um. So diamonds. Um. Came down next. We had Isaiah Cassidy, <laughs> Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela. Brian Pillman Jr. and of course Perfection Sean Spears. <sighs> Where to begin with this lot? Um, really liked, really liked Isaiah Cassidy. Um, Jimmy Havoc, I've I've long rated. Um, to be honest, um, thoroughly enjoy him. I saw him once, and he did one of the best heel promos ever. In that. I went out for a cigarette because I was smoking at the time. Um, two days clean, baby. Um, I went out for a cigarette. And, of course, um, when I came back and went for a piss and bought a whiskey, he was still on the mic and the crowd were hating him. It was fantastic. Really, really cool um, as a heel and really good as a face as well. Um, speaking of people who really want to quit smoking... <laughs> <laughs> with the help of a Joey Janela. Yes. <laughs> with the help of a staple gun, um Joey Janella got a lit cigarette that he had lit in the middle of the ring, stapled to his forehead by Jimmy Havoc. Absolutely fantastic spot of the match. It was such a shame that the camera crew were a little bit shaky or the production crew were a little bit shaky and we didn't actually get to see that happen. We just got to see the after effects. Um I saw him spark up a cigarette. And, of course, the ma the action went elsewhere, which is fair enough. In a battle royal, I get it when there's 10 people in the ring. And, of course, um, when it 
came back, he had a cigarette stapled to his head. So there was kind of that hilarity to that, um, the surprise of seeing a camera pan back to someone who now has a cigarette they've just been seen lighting in the middle of the ring, stapled to their head, and Jimmy Havoc just kind of in the background kind of beating the crap out of him. But, yeah, I enjoyed that spot, even though it may have been, it could have been probably presented better. Um, Yeah. Anything to say about that, Jay? Good spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I really did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and when Sean Spears came in, he got the treatment of someone who is going to be doing something quite special in AEW. Um, yeah. They, they gave him the ring time to introduce himself. Yeah. It would seem. I. He had a lot of charisma on show um the and the crowd was showing that 10 yeah the crowd were enjoying it and the funny thing is it didn't permeate throughout the entire event yeah no it didn't and that, it was just when he's on yeah. yeah it was a really good really good thing um that the crowd didn't didn't turn into a bunch of wwe style dicks um and kind of overuse it it, it was great keep it for when he's in the ring and we might not see him released and sent to ROH because if that gimmick just sends him further and further down the rungs of wrestling, wrestling annals until eventually he's in fucking, you know, Tommy dreamers, backyard wrestling of Pittsburgh or whatever. Then, (laughs) you know, Tommy dreamers, Pittsburgh wrestling foundation of the week. What about the house of hardcore? I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I keep on getting distracted by its main competition, which is, um, you know, my mates playing fucking Fortnite on Twitch because that's where you can see it. I, it's hardly, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, I don't know. I, 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 I may be being critical there of an absolute legend. House of Hardcore is pretty good. I'm, I'm just being a bit, I'm just being a bit. Anyway, um, Billy Gurman, <laughs> Glacier, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, and Ace Romero. I haven't even mentioned Brian Pillman Jr. yet. What were your thoughts on him? How, how was his showing? I don't even remember him being in the match. Fair play. He didn't really do much, it would seem, mm. within that match. He took a few good bumps. Um, I remember that much. He was he, he was eliminated the, the fourth by Isaiah Can't Cassidy and Mark Quinn. So... Pretty much more of a showcase for the young, for the um, lesser named stars of Isaiah Casti and Mark Quinn. That's no, um, that's obviously no detriment to Mark Quinn or um, Isaiah Cassidy. It's just I think I think out of those three names, you're going to want to go for Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn and Brian Pillman out early because he can always make a hit as a singles wrestler later on, Carney. Yeah, no, I was just going to point that out yeah no he his his singles capability is really good considering he's not been wrestling that long um so yeah if he's actually going to be with AEW moving forward and not just for this um, battle royal Mm. they really need to introduce a mid-tier title yeah i would imagine that you'll probably get some of the earlier earlier people who left like um michael nakazawa um possibly sunny days um you might see a bit more of them in the on the undercard um and kind of moving into some kind of more interesting storytelling further down the line glacier of course was the third to be eliminated just after sunny days um who um they had a nice bit and then glacier kind of moved on it made sense sunny days whose gimmick is that he looks like a son i guess 
um, <laughs> getting frozen by Glacier's Mist. Um, Billy Gunn, Glacier, Jungle Boy, Mark Quen, and Ace Romero were um, the next guys down there. Um, they were hearts. What is it to say about Billy Gunn that hasn't already been said? He's an ass man. I do believe they wrote a song about that, but I'll double check that as as, <laughs> as the day goes on. Um, Glacier, obviously. Um, I think we we summed him up last time, didn't we? Yeah, Sub Zero. Yeah, Sub Zero from Mortal Kombat yeah. in a in a worse outfit. Jungle Boy. Um, Jungle Boy surprised me. Yeah, he can move around that ring, can't he? Yeah, I mean, he he strikes me as a very young Dolph Ziggler type. Okay. Um, in the so he'll end up bitter. Oh yeah, no, he'll never. He may. Ne- I don't think he'll ever have the level of um, the level of charisma that um, Dolph has, <laughs> and certainly not the level of charisma that um, former. Uh, was he? No, no, he wasn't a former WCW champion, was he? Luke Perry? I can't even remember now. No, 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 that wasn't Luke Perry. No, no, that was... That was uh, David Arquette. David Arquette, Arquette, yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Same person. Yeah, basically. One's still alive, though. Yeah. um... (laughs) You are really rubbing it into the... Into the... Wow. Am I gonna edit this? <laughs> like, do I have to edit out all of your all know. of your controversial content today? I don't know. I don't know, audience. Hit him up on Twitter. Try and get him fired. See where we go. Um, right. <laughs> you can try and fire me. <laughs> nice, but little do you know, I've already been fired today. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Jungle Boy surprised me. He was all right. Um, I don't think he's ever going to have the charisma of his dad, um, and that's saying something considering I can't remember whether his dad's David Arquette or not. Um, Mark Quen <laughs> was all right. Quite liked him. Um, don't remember him. Okay. Um, and um, oh, where was the six? He got eliminated by Luchasaurus. He did number six. Um, that was what I was going to say to remind you of him. He also managed to eliminate, obviously, Brian Pillman Jr. early in the match. And Ace Romero. Um, any thoughts on Ace? I This is literally, I have face blindness for Ace Romero. I can't remember him at all. He's the big guy who did the toe face of the ropes onto Tommy Dreamer and some of the people. Oh, yeah. No, that was that was pretty impressive. That does. That works. From, M- from MLW. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Luchasaurus. Well, Spades was next. That featured Luchasaurus. Um, thoughts on Luchasaurus? Um, I, I I can see them having some kind of hardcore title going off. Yeah. To be fair, or some kind of death match title with mm. the wrestlers that they, they've acquired for AEW. Luchasaurus being one of them. Joe Janela being another. Mm. Um, Jimmy Havoc. John Moxley. Yeah. Makes sure perfect sense. Tommy Dreamer in there if they wanted to use Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, Luchasaurus is great, um, and he will fit perfectly within that scene. He's just enough of an attraction at this stage that throw him into a hardcore match, and, Pete, and he will probably do something innovative in it. Um, that's a mix of both the hardcore and his usual style. Really impressed me. Most eliminations in this, um, he managed to get four eliminations in this, um, which was quite impressive. He that he did. 
eliminated Isaiah Cassidy, Jimmy Havoc, um, which is a big win for him. Um, Joey Janela and Mark Quen. So really good performance from Lucha. Joey Janela went through a table from a choke slam over the top rope. Yeah, really impressive. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, well, we did say um, Sunny Sunny Kiss. Um, that's that small guy, is it? Or am I thinking Orange Cassidy? I know that one of these uh, no, two that look... is that small guy. Yeah, that Sunny really Kiss. Strange looking small guy. <laughs> yeah, he does the um, he does the floss in the middle of the ring. Yeah, that guy. Mm. Not too sure about that guy yet. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's set up to be. Um, He's he's found a position for himself, and it appears to be James Ellsworth, um, which is fine. <laughs> every every federation needs them as long as they don't put a fucking woman's title on them. Um, Tommy Dreamer, obviously. Um, what were your thoughts Who's on that? this Tommy Dreamer character? I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Tommy... Who's Tommy Dreamer? What a silly name. Yeah, yeah, crazy name. Never catch on. Um, Tommy Dreamer, of course, was sporting his dusty um, pants, which, good on you. You kept them, I guess. Um... He wears them all the time. That's what he wears now. That's his attire. Oh, okay. Fair play. Yeah. Cool. Um, he was there. <laughs> um... He threw some trash cans around. and Yeah, he did Tommy Dreamer, people. didn't he? Yeah. And he DDT. Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, Orange Cassidy. Remember anything about Orange Cassidy? Do not. Nice impact there, buddy. <laughs> um, and finally, the Joker card was shock, fucking shock horror. Um, Cody's friend, Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah. We got to hear about Adam Page. Had a really good show in as well, didn't he? And to be fair, he did. Yeah, they they put him over big time, but then again, he is part of the elite. Yeah, um, I think it makes sense. I suppose um, he is the most over guy going in. Um, my concern is that he's not going like I don't know. There was a very NWO feel to some of these finishes when you hold the when you look at them in concert, and I'm just I'm hoping that that's just first night get the fan favourites in before we actually start proper. But as you'll hear mm-hmm. as we go through this show, I do I do have a slight concern um, about some of these stars um, and some of the decisions that may or may not have been made. Moving on. A singles match between Kip Sabian and Sammy Guevara um, went on for almost precisely 10 minutes, um, at least according to the recorded times. Thoughts on this one? Um, I wasn't impressed with this match. Really? Um, I thought there was pacing issues and I thought the execution of it was completely off. But that fucking suplex. Yeah, a good suplex. I say it's worth watching. I didn't enjoy it. Um, see whether you agree with me, who thinks it was a fairly good match and wouldn't have looked out of place on um, the undercard of a great NXT show or, or similar, um, or whether you agree with Jay and, and give it a watch, give it a little twirl there in your own video. I think no one's going to agree with me on this one because um, there's a lot of people absolutely loving this. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the real question is is 
what what was the ultimate pacing issue you felt there was? Um, because I don't know. I don't know. It's like the movie, so the execution seemed just seemed off. There were time wrong, and there was spots where uh, it seemed like it's meant to speed up, but they weren't talking to each other. Uh, okay, so yours is more of a more of a solid execution based kind of issue. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Fair play. <laughs> well, that's why they're on the pre-show, I guess. Um, yeah. And I can't really answer that. I I liked it. I was very aware that I was watching a... I mean, it was probably the weakest one-on-one match and probably the weakest match overall of the night. Um, but at the same time, it was still miles better than anything that WWE have put on, um, on their regular programming, at least. Um, definitely better than anything they've put on a pre-show in a while, I would say, um, that doesn't involve Daniel Bryan and the Usos. Well, actually, that's that's probably cuts out a lot of pre-shows. Um, yeah, no, but they do have some good cruiserweight championship matches that have been on the pre-show. It's the yeah. ones that ended up on the main roster that have been on the main show that was pretty bad. But mm. I don't know. I, it just didn't, didn't speak like to it. you. Didn't like it. Fair play. Um, of course, we then go to a promo for um, for the piece as a whole, um, which. Includes an introduction of Jim Ross to the Oklahoma fight song, of course, which we all love. Um, nicely done. Um, followed by um, a quick kind of introduction to each of the four members of the elite before they go out and greet the audience. Um, kind of like this, um, mostly because they went out there unscripted, played off each other a little bit, didn't last longer than about three and a half minutes, and then they fucked off. Like if if it was Vince McMahon starting off, starting a um, starting a piece like that um, starting off this federation, um, he'd still be in the ring talking now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Talking about how great he was and how how um, you know whoever the whoever was at the top of the car, either card, either Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega would never be champion before giving them a title match. You know it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really nice way of dealing with it. I, I just thought it was good. Um, did you see that okay, segment? I didn't like it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> didn't like it at all. <laughs> I like the you... fact that they took the yeah. piss out of WWE in the attendance and they rounded up. That was funny. Mm, yeah, that was pretty good um, when they said there were 20,000. And it was also yeah. a reference to an earlier earlier statement that they would have gone for a 20,000-seater, but they didn't think they could fill it or something. I can't remember what it was exactly. Or there wasn't one in Las Vegas. Something like that. Yeah. So why didn't you like it, Jay? Why'd you hate AEW? <laughs> I don't hate AEW. Why, why don't you just suck Vince McMahon's <laughs> dick? I'm too busy sucking progresses, that's why. <laughs> Touché. <laughs> of course, you can hear our broadcast. Um, that will be released over the next few days for Super Strong Style 16 Day 2, and we'll be releasing Super Strong Style 16 Day 3 very shortly as well. Pre-recorded Super Strong Style 16 Day 2, and we wanted to just give it a bit of a breathing space with AEW, so I'll be releasing that over the next day or so. Um, sorry, just taking that Jim Smallman's no, cock out of my mouth now. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, why do you hate AEW, Jay? <laughs> I don't hate AEW. It's just 
I didn't like the but whole. I'm gonna introduce it. I'm gonna introduce it. Oh no, I'm gonna introduce it. And then he introduces it, and then blah 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 blah. Yeah, I didn't like but it. But you said one thing bad about it. That must mean you hate it. That's how the <laughs> internet works, right? Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I hate um, the internet so... too, so it's fine. Oh yeah, the internet sucks. <laughs> Isn't that right, Internet? Um, yeah, Internet. <laughs> uh, moving on, SoCal Uncensored. Um, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky um, for the Strong Hearts, who are the OWE Japanese contingent, um, consisting of Seema T-Hawk and L. Lindemann um, in a six-man tag team match. It went 13 minutes and 40 seconds. Jay, I believe that you are completely unaware of this match. Um, you haven't seen much of it at all. Exactly. Have, I've not have seen, seen this one, though. Have you seen much show, Cal Uncensored? I know a lot about Kaz and Christopher Daniels. Uh, mm. The other guy, not so much. I'm not a Scorpio Sky, sorry. Um, I well, haven't I mean... really seen much of him. I know they've done it... most of their work as a faction in ROH. I mean, it's probably it's probably a good job that you haven't actually seen um, this match because it means that we don't have to do play by play on it. If you if you as a listener already know what to expect from Cody and Dustin, already know what to expect from um, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, already kind of know what what you're going to get from Kenny and Chris. If you go out of your way to see just one match where you want to see something completely different, this is the one. SoCal Uncensored and um, the Strong Hearts, they never stop fucking moving. It is a, it's a bit of a spot fest. There are some amazing moments where you get to see the interesting differences between Seema T-Hawk and L. Lindemann's styles. Um, and, of course, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, they tell a really interesting story about just being presented with something they don't quite expect as a functioning team. And it's just one spot after another. It is fantastic. There isn't a moment of wasted motion throughout this entire match. And, of course, it finishes off with Best Melts Forever. So, um, a fantastic move. Uh, Have you seen Best Melts Forever? Don't believe I have. Oh, okay. Um, Well, it's just... It's really hard to describe. Um, It's (laughs) like a Meltzer bomb, but it involves... um, it involves a 450 splash with a springboard onto the ropes I, I, um, and a double stomp onto the arse as it goes down. It is just, yeah, it shouldn't be being done by a group of people who collectively have 60 years of wrestling experience like Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky do. Go out of your way for this match. 13 minutes, 40 seconds. I'm not going to give much away, but it is compelling as fuck. Apparently, the Strong Hearts are from Oriental Wrestling, which is one of the partners with AEW. It is indeed. It's um, the Chinese Oriental Wrestling, um, as I mentioned, OWE, um, and they are the Japanese contingent there. Um, they are three um, Japanese wrestlers who moved into the Chinese circle. They they fuse um, mixed martial arts with um, traditional pro wrestling style um, and it really is a sight to behold in places the fluidity of all six of these performers together you've just got 
six veterans in the ring doing doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Um, really, really good. Looking forward to it. Anything... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go out your way for it. Go out your way for it, mate. Um, then we have the fatal three-way match. The sorry, the <laughs> triple threat match, um, as it is billed, between Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, um, Kylie Ray, and Nyla Rose. Have you seen any of this? Have you seen any of these women before, or anything like that? I've seen Awesome Kong. I can't well, say I've seen the other three before. As Jay has just spoiled for all of us, um, oh, yeah. this is, of course... You didn't mention that. <laughs> I didn't mention that, no. Um, so I was going to start with Kylie Ray. Um, so Kylie Ray is really happy and smiley to the point where it's actually quite contagious. Um, she's hilarious. Contagious. Yeah, she's hilarious. Um, she smiles all the time to the point where it's beyond beyond happiness. Um she makes Bailey look like the most miserable son of a bitch ever. That's how much <laughs> Kylie Ray smiles. She smiles constantly and it's played for laughs, but it's also, yeah. Uncomfortable for her. I would imagine so. In the segment with the librarians. Yeah, yeah. It can be uncomfortable for her. Um, the segment with the librarians, by the way, what did you think to that? That was in the pre-show? Yeah, so that, that's coming off the back of um, Cody and the books arguing who was going to play the character of the librarian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like... Uh, I think the, the fluidity of it appears to be that they announced someone as the librarian. I believe it was um, Blue Pants. Um, and then they announced another person but forgot to remove the text that said, is the librarian... Um, and replace it back again with is AEW and no one caught it and picked it up. So as a result, they both ended up arguing over which was going to be the librarian. So they took what I think was a shoot mistake and worked it into an angle um, for laughs, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. I hated that segment. I like the old internet thing, but that actual segment itself was so hokey and sports entertainment that... I kind of felt really uncomfortable watching it, and was and for me that was alarm bells. Like that was the one part of this show that really set off alarm bells for me was just how hokey that that segment was. So now I'm with you on that one. Really didn't like it. Fast forward that bit if you if you're watching for the first time. Um, anyway, <laughs> Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, obviously, um, she is um, an American actress and professional wrestler who is also part Native American. Um, she's part of WOW um, as well as the United Pro Wrestling Association. Um, yeah, she puts on a good show as well. Um, and, of course, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who's probably the most well-known out of all of them. Um, she she has a fairly fairly solid gimmick. She obviously appeared at um, All In. Of course, Brandy Rhodes comes down to the ring in wrestling gear um, and says that she doesn't think enough people... Um, she says this would have been a great match, but she wants to make it an awesome match. And at that point, awesome Kong, um, who many of you will formerly know as Karma, comes down to the ring. Um, thoughts on this? Because I know you've seen bits of it, you say. Not bits of this one. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, so who's your favourite wrestler in this one, Rich? Um, believe it or not, 
I have a thing for Kylie Ray. I think she's hilarious. Um, and I was impressed by all of them. Dr. Britt Baker has just got a surprising a surprising gimmick that kind of fits into her character because she's quite she's quite kind of submission based isn't she oh not that you've seen it no idea i imagine they've got uh, a couple a of Nyla... styles which mesh together quite well because obviously yeah they did really well it was heavy it... well let's just say 11 minutes 10 seconds i enjoyed thoroughly Enjoy it. like women's wrestling then, Rich, because this is becoming a thing. Um, <laughs> it looks like looks like I am slowly being turned around, and I am starting to love women's wrestling. That is indeed the case. Um, this, of course, is unusual because I once promised someone long ago that I would never, ever love another woman. Where does that sound come from? Where does that sound come from? Comes from the heart of the universe. <laughs> After this, um, <laughs> best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta faced Angelico and Jack Evans. This was again a sleeper hit of the night. Um, fantastic tag team match between these guys. Um, Angelico and Jack Evans um, really really put on um a fairly fairly awesome performance um it's just fast it's just a spot fest just fantastic um really well told um the story was that chuck taylor and tremberetta for the first kind of five minutes or so really wanted to um really wanted to hug and because <laughs> they're best friends because they're best friends <laughs> and Angelico and Jack Evans stood in their way they then tear the shit up um, for another 10 minutes and then finally Chuck Taylor and Trent Barretta after a series of impressive spots just embraced yeah yeah and then they <laughs> towards the end they all went for embracing and this is another spot of the mic night which was a bit of a miss um actually because they went to embrace lights went out and a masked superstar known as uno and his partner dos appeared in the ring and then several other wrestlers independent wrestlers in masks appeared around them and beat the living shit out of everyone else um this was a massive miss um, for me, this this closing angle. Have you seen anything of this angle? I've not seen anything of it, wasn't it? The Super Smash Bros. It was indeed the Super Smash Bros, Uno and Dos, yes. Yeah, no, I've not seen anything of that segment, so you didn't you enjoyed the match but just completely that hated angle. the segment after. Okay. The reason that the reason that I hated it was because I mean, I haven't mentioned the commentary team yet who did an awesome job throughout the night. That was, of course, Excalibur, um, Jim Ross, and Alex Marvez, um, with, of course, um, Ali appearing for the Women's Fatal 4-Way match only. Um, but they, none of them actually knew who the Super Smash Bros were. And it? Azura... How does it? Yeah. You it's, think uh... if it's going to be commentating, they would have done the well that. either that or all three of them decided to play dumb as to or they were told to you know that who they, are these people 
Yeah, basically, yeah. and all three of them were like, who are, are these people? Where, yeah, basically. So uh, there needs to be someone on that team who is a window into that, who will say, I mean, here's the thing. If this had happened um, in WWF um, 20 years ago or WCW Sorry, WWF 30 years ago or WW, uh, WCW 20 years ago. Um, in fact, it's more likely in WCW that it would happen and no one would have a clue it was going to happen. Immediately, Bobby the Brain Heenan um, or a similar heel color commentator would play the... Well, I know who they are, but I'm not going to tell you because you should know who they are because you're the play-by-play guy. You think you're so smart, don't you, Jim? Jim Ross, you think you're so smart? Well, but there's no one to do that in this team. You know, Corey Taylor would do it in the WWE now, um, except it'd be twice as annoying and have hair like an ice gem. But it just doesn't... There was there was nothing to tell us. Uh, I only found out they were called the Super Smash Bros by searching for it on the internet after the event. At no point did anyone reference it. Maybe they're going to be going by a different name, and maybe they were told they weren't allowed to use Super Smash Bros. Because of the Nintendo licensing issue. Yeah, no, I could yeah. understand that, especially considering that I believe... Where are they from? Canada. Oh, yeah, Canada doesn't have copyright law um, because no one watches Canadian TV because it's dog shit. So that makes sense. Um, but no, it was... <laughs> but um, yeah, it just seemed so out of place, um, and it was it was probably one of the there were very few low spots in this night, but that was another one of them because it was just it kind of marred that match, and it didn't necessarily need to be there in order to show the depth of the tag team division. Right. Anyway, but what did you think to Angelico? Because I'm not hiding this guy, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts were of him. Like you've seen him wrestle. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's hard to say because I was half asleep when I watched it um, because it was getting late here in the UK and I probably do need to go and watch this match again um, in order to fully comment on it. But they both worked really well as a team, like really, really well. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed him. Um, the, what else can you say? I, I just thought it was I innovative. Just find, just, I just want generic. Yeah, he is a little bit generic. Um, like, I mean, I'm saying that I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I can't think of a single signature move that he did. Um, and I'm looking on Wikipedia now to remind me um, of what exactly, you know, his his signature moves would be. And no one's got any signature moves recorded for him on any database. So, no, I can understand why you would say he is a little bit held generico. Um, he's... Nice yeah, touch, the, nice I see what you mean. <laughs> um, but, then, but then they were really good. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm very interested to see more from both these two people, but from both these two teams. But as far as tag team division in AEW goes, um, barring a bit of a misstep with the Super Smash Bros and their introduction, genuinely, this was really promising. Um, this Probably in the first be one month, of the best yeah. tag team divisions in wrestling, isn't it? To be fair. I think it. Well, I mean, it couldn't be too hard. Um, I mean, NXT. NXT 
two years ago was the best tag team division in wrestling. Uh, absolutely no shadow of a doubt. Am I right or am I right? Yeah, and then there was progress. And then, yeah, there was progress. But um, no, this this is probably going to be the best now, I would say, um, because all of these teams just work as tag team wrestling. Jim Ross, all the way through, was constantly talking about his love for tag team wrestling and was very much saying, why don't we have great tag team wrestling? And this was just an example of it. So, no, no, go out of your way to see it. Um, Six-woman tag team match. <sighs> Hikaru Shida, Riho Abe, and Ryo Muzunami. Um, uh, they were against Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakada. <sighs> I'm really glad I got through that. The Cura. I wouldn't say, but... Sorry? <clears throat> Nothing. Are you Sorry. saying Secura? Yeah. She's not a key company, mate. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she could be, you never know. I can definitely say out of all of the out of all of the people there, Sakura is one of the most common female names in Japan, and that is how it's always pronounced. As a as a life as a lifelong and by lifelong I mean a, a slight Naruto fan, Sakura is pronounced Sakura. So there was apparently some timekeeping issues, and they called for the bell when it was in there for in this one. Yes, they did, um, and yeah, it kind of almost derailed the match, which was a bit of a shame um, because it was a very good match. Aja Kong um, played. She played the bull throughout, obviously. Um, the bull. Yeah, she she was in the ring with some very, very, very small wrestlers um, in certain ways. Um, yeah. Uh, nice and heavy on the gimmick. This is Kenny Omega's kind of pet project. And I, this, this you kind of have to go out of your way to see it. You kind of do, um, because it's an interesting match. But yeah, now the timekeeping issue was a was a bit of a shame. There was a count that was miscounted, and it screwed it all up. But oh well, still a good match. Oh well, still awesome. I'd probably say on the main card, it's probably the weakest <laughs> match on there. Okay. So I still haven't seen this one as well. So honestly speaking, I've only seen bits of it. I I kind of ran through this bit. Well, on to the next match. <laughs> <laughs> the next match, of course, was Cody with Brandy Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. Um, this was a single match. Went on for 22 minutes, 30 seconds. <sighs> now, this was the meat of the show, wasn't it? This this is where we go into the this is where we go into the great stuff. Um, I feel this is where we start showing some really interesting stuff. Um, so Cody, first of all, sledgehammer takes it to a throne that's revealed by the ramp, smashes it. Did you see that? What did you think to it? Yeah, kind of kind of implodes. Brandy hands him the sledgehammer. He walks back up the ramp. It hits it. Part of it falls off on the corner, but yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and she shouts, break it down. Oh, yeah, so she does. I've only just realized. She does. I've yeah, only just realized. Yeah, yeah. 
break yeah. it down. Um, so there have been two ways to interpret this, obviously. There's the on-the-surface way, which is probably the preferred method of interpreting this, which is, of course, um, he's he's destroying Triple H's throne. Um, the second is Cody's comments afterwards in which he states um, basically that he didn't want to be the executive producer who um, sits on his throne and does nothing to further wrestling as a sport um, or as a as a concept, and it was kind of him just breaking down the concept of being in that position and resting on your laurels, um, which obviously is yet another statement against Triple H. It is mm. interesting. What did you think to Dustin Rhodes and his? Um, I want to say gimmick or what he did. Um, in regards to how he dressed, how how he oh, came out in his appearance, just um, I didn't I didn't see his entrance. Oh, um, his, his entrance was just some generic cowboy music, followed by him walking down with half of the face paint on. Yeah, black and red, right? Like it's stitched together half of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the left side yeah, of yeah. him is the left side of him is um is kind the of gold dust. Yeah, the natural dusty roads, gold dust kind of esque face paint. And then the right side is just dusting roads. Um and of course natural is across his back. Um in the meantime um Cody had natural killer um I believe it was natural born killer on his on his belt at the back, um, or his weight belt. So that was kind of cool as well. It's um, a nice touch. Yeah, really nice touch. Um, these guys went on for 22 minutes, 30 seconds. It told a story as well. It was some really good old-style storytelling. Um, I'm not sure how much of the match you've seen as a whole, um, but the story... No, I saw the whole match. It was re- the wrestling psychology, and that was yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, throughout high spots. What were your what were your high spots there? I um, high spots. So, <laughs> um, so you had well, Brandy really uh, taking out Dustin. Yeah, Brandy, Brandy Kane spearing her, spearing him. Brandy comes along with a spear that makes um, Dustin. Uh, sorry, makes Roman Reigns now have the seventeenth best spear. In the business. I think we're on to the 18th best spear in the business. Um, bear with me. <laughs> have you got a list? <laughs> um, I have been keeping a list of whether I've actually oh. saved it or not. Um, do, 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 do. No, I need to reconstruct the list. That's a shame. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will I will reconstruct that list and make sure it is prepared next time. Um, but yeah, no, certainly she she did do a great spear on him. Um, that gave him time to obviously. Um, I don't know. Was this hard way blood? I don't think it was. No, he definitely bladed. Yeah, he bladed while Randy was while Brandy was being um, being sent to the back by Earl Hebner, who did his lovely roly poly point to the um, ramp thing that he does when he throws he people. Definitely out. Bladed, he bladed in the ring after he hit his head in the turnbuckle. Um, We're going for shutter dreams um, after Cody took off. I thought he I thought he bladed after the spear because it was fairly quickly, um, but he may have. I don't know. He bladed at some point fairly quickly. Um, Kayfabe blames it on the staff that was uh, Cody's staff, and it has that dog on it, doesn't it? Oh, he blamed yeah. it on that. 
Oh, fair play. Um, yeah, what was your what was your thoughts to the Shattered Dreams spot? Because that was where things really started, really started tumbling for him. Yeah, he just took way too long, didn't he? <laughs> Pose into the crowd, through the turnbuckle, into the ropes. Yeah, I mean, the story yeah. was... K-fabe-wise, that, that, that gives um, Cody enough time to move out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think the story, the story really, when you're looking at the early spots of this match, is that Dustin, um, Dustin goes in hoping um, to hoping to kind of play the greatest hits and just school um, school Cody. Cody, although he's never let on to Dustin, he has a counter for many of the things that Dustin does, and even at points um, performs one or two Dustin spots as well in order to taunt Dustin into making a mistake. He does that when he goes for Shattered Dreams, um, which Cody may or may not possum him into, into getting in that position. Cody, at that point, takes off the turnbuckle, throws it into the audience, um, and that stops Dustin from being able to perform the Shattered Dreams. Um, at that point, as he runs towards Cody, Cody is able to drop toe, hold him straight into the exposed turnbuckle. And from that point, we're off to the races. Dustin bleeds absolutely fucking everywhere. Um, it is, I don't he know. He bleeds another time when he's sitting in the corner as well. Yeah, I mean, he goes out of his... They go out of their way to make this um, proper old-school WCW, Dusty Road style bleeding everywhere. Um, and it works. It really does work in telling that story. That, I definitely say NWA style. Yeah. I mean, we're talking pre-WCW. We are talking, we are talking yeah. kind of Clash of the Champions, kind of early, early, early um, cable pay-per-view wrestling, kind of the big events in the middle of some kind of Texas kind of coliseum somewhere that's clearly also a football ground or baseball ground. It's, it's, it is proper old school wrestling. Um, at this point, and it, it just slotted right into yeah, the show. Slotted really well into From the show. Of it, it just, it's not out of place at all. Yeah. It didn't feel out of place. And then, um, after this, you get, um, Dustin starting to go deep. And when we say go deep, he's going for moves that, never seen him do before. Um, absolutely never seen him do before. There was a running sent on off the apron that was just phenomenal. Um, there was a um, code red. There was a code red. <laughs> a code red from Dustin <laughs> Rhodes. Like, the last time someone that old did a, co- um, did a code red, it was just for the bants. But no, seriously, really, really, really impressed by that um and it kind of ends with um there's an attempt at a spanish fly as well towards the end of a series of flurries is there not um i mean we feel it's yeah, a, I mean, attempt at a spanish fly so into this much there was there was a crowd crying they were chanting so when they when they messed up that spot it didn't really matter yeah i mean there were a few parts that were just yeah that's the thing though by the end of it you could have taken the spanish fly to mean um two co- two close lines that just connected with each other it could have just been um and you've also got the fact that the fans were so well manipulated and so well played by these two storytellers in the ring it was was it or was it not dustin rhodes match of his career well he certainly seems to think so do you can you can you think of a better dustin rhodes match 
Um, Other than, of course, the Chicago Street Fight at WrestleMania 13, um, which Ronnie ended, Piper. yeah, which ended in the yeah, 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 yeah that was that was a great match. Um, yeah. Other than that, no. Cool. cool. Other than that, no. I honestly can't. Yeah. That's the one I was going to mention. Then you just came out with it. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, if only this match had had the same finish with him being stripped down to his bra and then going on to on an OJ Simpson style street chase. Um, but you know, we can't have it all. Um, what this match did end up with, um, was, um, towards the end. Well, after the match was complete and I'm trying not to spoil too much. Um, but there was a very, after the match was complete, um, there was this really nice, uh, there was a really nice, um, spot before then with the figure four. Oh, yes. That. So he does the figure four and then he rolls a move and you get the nice camera shot of his face covered in blood. Yeah, also kind of harkening back mask. harkening back to um the Stone Cold Steve Austin moment as well. Um yeah. from uh WrestleMania thirteen again, I believe. <laughs> um yeah, no, really, really phenomenal. Um moment and really old school in the way that that story was told as well um with the with the figure four leg lock um once the match is complete the two um obviously say some piece say some pieces at each other um i'm really trying not to ruin all of this result but i can say that at the end all th- they cut back to all three commentators and they were practically in tears it was a really emo- the the emotional manipulation involved in this match was really really well told um fantastic match go out of your way to see it like the rest of this card um after this we get um the unveiling of the new AEW championship um this featured a surprise appearance um unannounced appearance by Brett the Hitman Hart who bless him um kind of laboriously took the belt to the ring um jack whitehall um famed british comedian was in the ring for this segment um guy irritates me but he wasn't too distracting from this entire thing he he clearly has a lot of respect for the business so fair play i can't i can't argue with him um in regards to that um yeah but he is then interrupted by mjf um have you seen any of this segment um i've seen 15 seconds of this segment of what he says about the oh there's a fan behind you <laughs> oh yeah uh, um mjf puts on a Peter Richard for the hall of fame yeah mjf he managed to get every single person in that audience hating him um in a way that was just mind-blowingly good um definitely Definitely really, really good heel work. He's going to be probably one of the top, one of the top um, heel discoveries throughout this entire process. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not too far away from entering a program with someone like, say, Hangman Page um, or even Jimmy Havoc, even Jimmy Havoc. Well, or Jungle Boy. Jimmy Havoc <laughs> and Jungle Boy are kind of made for him, but I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking kind of his first kind of top tier kind of guy. I think we're going to be looking right. at Hangman Page. Um, I think, 
I think we're looking at him having a slow climb over the course of three years, getting to getting to that point where um, it's him versus probably Kenny Omega and maybe another one of Kenny Omega's friends once they um, once they start to play away from New Japan a bit after this year's over. Um, of course, mentioning no names, Kota Ibushi. Um, mm. Well. Interesting thing that um, Penny Omega says. He didn't ask Kurosabushi to sign because he knew that he wanted to be uh, IGPW champion. Mm-hmm. Or unless that's all kayfabe. Um, I, the problem with Kurosabushi and Kenny Omega is I don't think that they will ever be out of kayfabe in regards to each other. That would make sense. Yeah, I don't think that. That would make sense. I, don't think, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I certainly for the portion of for the portion where they were working for different companies while um, Ibushi was um, with the WWE and on, on on excursion to Ring of Honor and all of that kind of stuff, um, Kenny Omega remained kayfabe with Kota Ibushi um, when interviewed about him in the Japanese media, and I am under the impression that considering that their feud was a continuation of a DDT feud and it has entered every element of everywhere that Kenny Omega has been. I, I think they're going to remain kayfabe with each of us. So, um, okay. So take, take with Abushi saying that this is the last contract he's ever signing with a pinch of salt. And that was for his new contract in New Japan pro wrestling. Um, I would be surprised if he doesn't have the ability to, if he doesn't have the ability to play away a bit. Um, and with some of the stuff that we'll be discussing a bit later about stars crossing over, I could very easily see um, if an angle needs to play out that does involve Kota Ibushi, I can very easily see AEW allowing that to play out a little bit in NJPW, um, considering that Kenny Omega's got that got that ability in his contract. Have that ability, like other people. Anyway, on to the next match. <laughs> on to the next match, of course. Um, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, um, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, um, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks, of course. This was a tag team title match for the AAA World Tag Team Championship belts. <sighs> what have you seen of this? I've seen the whole match for this one. What? Really hard to keep up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this was. Uh, Let me tell you. <laughs> it was when I was watching this match that I realised play by play for this event would be impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I kind of did play by play for this, and it took me a while. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Jay, will you please play by play? Oh, we don't have to do it. That's fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've put that work in. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want this match ruining for you, go out of your way to watch it now. Other than that, Jay, talk us through this match. Honestly, it's fine. No. <laughs> Fair play. Well, the story that was being told, obviously, um, the Young Bucks, um, Matt Jackson, is coming out of a year where he has had to rest up quite heavily due to his um, fairly bad back um and obviously the young bucks have had um only two tag team matches at this wasn't that his kayfabe bad back that was his kayfabe bad back they continued that story in this um in in aew 
Um, and I'm not sure how much of it was kayfabe and how much of it wasn't now, um, which shows that it's good kayfabe. Uh, <laughs> it's good kayfabe when you can't tell if it's kayfabe or not. Or maybe we're being kayfabed, much like the Sasha Banks situation. Perhaps we're all marks, Jay. Perhaps we're, Perhaps we're all, all marks. And we're all being kayfabed by everybody. All the time. And um, we just don't know that people are actually working together, apparently. Well... But more on that later. It would explain <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Complete kayfabe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He is a work. He Donald Trump is definitely a work. Is not actually a puppet controlling Donald Trump? Is not actually a robot? Um, no, I reckon. I reckon he became a worker a while ago. I think he stepped into a WWE ring to shave Vince McMahon's head, and when he stepped out, he was bitten by the kayfabe book, and he's just kayfabed his way into the pre- presidency. I genuinely think that his entire political career has been in kayfabe. Well, then that makes it brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the new... but also bad for everybody. But also, yeah. completely bad for everybody. But absolutely brilliant or, at the same time. Well, you can hear more about my. <laughs> you can hear more about my views in the New York Times column, um, the kayfabe in politics, which is a genuine column, um, and it, you can actually find that out. I believe um, it also talks about the war between um, Kim Jong Il and um, Donald Trump, the War of Words, and how it relates to wrestling. Um, Genuine fact was in the New Yorker, um, I believe it was actually, now I think about it. Um, I didn't write it, though. It's not my column. I just stole its ideas. Young Bucks <laughs> versus the Lucha Bros. Um, so, yeah. This, yeah. This match was like, what, their greatest hits, wasn't it, from, from, each, from each team with yeah. new offense thrown in, there was, there which was, was nice to see. There was new offence, but at the same time you had the Lucha Brothers who came into this match on full form um, and the Young Bucks who had um, that ring rust from only fighting two matches this year as well as um, the kayfabe or non-kayfabe Matt Jackson injury. um, Uh, One of which was beating the Lucha Brothers for the AAA uh, World Tag Team Championships in a five-minute match after they defeated another tag team who I do not remember who they are, but that would be one of their matches, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, the yeah. other one being the one at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, they have been. Other than that, out of wrestling that long. Yeah. Other than that, they have just done run-ins. There we go. So, yeah, now the Young Bucks have 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 really been out of wrestling for quite a while, um, but. Yeah, no. Um, so there was this kind of ring rust element, and that told a fairly compelling story. But you got two brothers, yeah, so and two two pairs of brothers, like... kind of. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, so the start of the ring rust, uh, you can see that through the first what five to ten minutes of the match, yeah. they had like mishaps and miscues um, when when they were trying to execute tag team moves, uh, which showed that. So that was quite. An interesting part of the story and seeing that move forward to the end of the match where they finally got their groove. Yeah, um, it was really good storytelling between the two of them. Um, and obviously what you got was this kind of, you, it gave the opportunity within the first 12 to 15 minutes um, for the Young Bucks to kind of allow um, the Lucha Bros to really showcase what they can do. 
Um, and there, I, I imagine that there were a lot of Young Bucks fans who had never seen the Lucha Bros before, um, for whatever reason, at that event. I mean, I'm probably more familiar with the Young Bucks than the Lucha Bros, um, although I have seen several um, matches, both as single stars and, of course, um, as tag teams now, as a tag team now. Um, certainly for me, though, that was the first nearly half an hour match that I'd seen with the Lucha Bros where they weren't either facing each other like they were at the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show back in back in March or alternatively um, where there wasn't some kind of hardcore element to that, like, um, like in um, Impact's pay-per-view just gone um with lax so for me yeah really really enjoyed that showcase um and it was a good way of them introducing an audience who may not have seen them before to this to this brand new to this brand new team um as it would be to some of them how i mean go on going to lax obviously i should probably say this at the end but you know you you mentioned lax i want to see this match again but with LAX. And surprise, surprise, I want it to and a ladder. <laughs> and I want to add tables. <laughs> and I want to add chairs. <laughs> well, um, and just watch them go. If Vince Russo's right, I might throw the Usos in and do it at TLC. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Bro, everybody's Bro. working with Vince. <laughs> Bro, bro, all the word, bro. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. It's under one company, bro. <laughs> Phenomenal match, um, really, really good. Um, I know I've said this a few times, but probably the best match on the card. <laughs> <laughs> Is this best match number one, or best match number two, or just the best match? It's one of the best matches on the card. I suppose if somebody said, right. if somebody said. Show me AEW in one match. It will be between this and the SoCal Uncensored match um, because both were just amazing. I mean, it'd be really hard. You'd be missing a lot. I still need to watch the whole thing, but I would throw on Cody versus Dustin. Mm. Yeah, Cody versus Dustin was fantastic. It's just this was spot heavy, but it told a story. Really, really good to see. What more can you say? Just go out your way to fucking watch it. And that that stuff on the apron, the hardest part of the ring. Oh, every time I see it, it makes me cringe. Um, just flipping through my notes here, and I can't remember where that was. <laughs> um, what was the spot? Um, God damn it! I should have made notes. It's all your fault, Richard. Anyway, um, anyway, it was a good spot. Chris Jericho and oh. Kenny Omega. What were you wincing at there? Jay? Well, I've just clearly just written some weird, something weird. Uh, Phoenix with some crazy arm-bagging kit combo. But it said apron for a second, but it doesn't. Ah. Yeah, no, I can't find it in my notes either, but it's there somewhere. Fair play. Um, yeah, there was there was definitely a few apron spots there. Oh, and of course, the highlight of that match is, of course, the springboard onto the shoulders. Um, Pentagon Junior, um, sorry, Phoenix jumps onto Pentagon Junior's shoulders and does a suicide dive out out to the ring. Um, 
Oh, that was yeah. awesome. Just absolutely um, phenomenal. I, brain buster onto the top rope. Oh, brain buster onto the top rope. Yeah, Jay, start calling spots out. There's brain buster onto the top rope. Um, fr- the books used uh, Murder Machine Guns finisher as Yeah, well. they did. Uh, which was the power bombs a slice bread number two combo yep um i mean the young bucks part of their story was that they were um they were going through all of the all of the people that they had beaten in a king's roast in a king's road style um in an attempt to try and vanquish the lucha brothers um and obviously clear the cobwebs as well um and as they went through each of the each of these different each of these different famous opponents um, references to opponents from obviously El Generico and Kevin Steen um, up to up to the Motor City machine guns and all of that. Um, they were getting more and more in sync with each other as this was happening, um, and that was kind of the long term story. Um, and <laughs> there was an apron spot that is really important yeah, because we've made a thing the thing of destroyer. it. Yes, there was a destroyer. Um, there was a Mexican destroyer. Call it Mexican Destroyer. Yeah, yep. uh, the Mexican Destroyer on the apron. That was nasty. Yeah, really, really nasty. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, what more can you say? And there was also the uh, the uh, Penta driver, the package, package power driver with the Gory Special. Mm-hmm. That was a good spot. So you took both books, uh, Gory Special, one of them, and did a package driver on one of them at the same time. Yep. Um, dual, that was dueling sharpshooters in the middle of the ring. Um, just this match was spot after tag team spot. It was a showcase for what tag team wrestling can do. As there have been many showcases throughout this night. Um, altogether, there's nearly 45. No, there's nearly what 55 minutes of great male tag team wrestling add the women to that as well um, and you've got well over an hour of fantastic tag team wrestling in this pay-per-view alone i'm really excited for AEW and the possibilities in regards to the tag team divisions um because now you've ta- now you've gone spot by spot i'm just remembering moment after moment and it was just phenomenal um, you got to think though. This is just a one-off show. You got to think that they're going to have to come back with another show that they're doing soon, and then they've got to stop their weekly show. And that's when you really start seeing what they can actually produce, because they've got to produce that weekly show into a pay-per-view. Yeah. So yeah, you can be excited for what, what the future has a whole, but they they've still got to be able to deliver week after week to make the company flourish and make people watch. Yeah. But they have such a they have such a following that it shouldn't be an issue. But I think they've still got they're still going to make that product work. I think what they have to remember is that um, they, even as they've shown here, um, what we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 19, 20, 21, And you got to think by this point... Carry on. Everyone in the Elite's won. By this point, everybody in the Elite has won their matches. Yeah. But, I mean, on the main card, there are 28 competitors. Now, the three main events, each of them go over 20 minutes. Now, if we boil down in an hour's show, um, and we're talking of the quality of NXT, you're looking at Probably, around, I mean, are they have they confirmed whether this is going to be an hour-long show? I believe ITV4 have said that this is going to be an hour-long show, um, at least initially. 
the depth of the roster, even based on just the people who have appeared on this pay-per-view, not even including the pre-show, um, means that they can afford to give them that time and still put out a consistent show. The key is, uh, if anything, they're probably going to have to go longer sooner rather than later, judging by the depth of their roster, because they've cr- created a roster that's so deep um, that actually telling meaningful stories between two or three different elements of the wrestlers um even just the wrestlers we've seen there is going to mean that several of them are going to have to spend ages off tv if that makes sense it does make sense you find that with mrw and you find it works quite well um yeah as long as your champion becomes a prize fighter Mm. you don't see your champion that much yeah um only norman defend the so they could work in that way. Yeah, they could work in that way. Um, I mean, obviously, there's areas where they can do storytelling um, within being the elite. Um, nearly all of their backstage segment, segments can end up on YouTube or um, some kind of... You'll probably find that their storylines will carry on on YouTube and not necessarily be on the main Yeah, show. kind of viral storylines that kind of get people engaged in social media. That might be the way to do it. And then you yeah. can dedicate the actual show to wrestling itself. Um so yeah, no, I I think as long as they don't focus too heavily on a core kind of four or five members of the elite, um, I reckon they'll do fine um, because they've got a deep enough roster that there can always be some new stories to tell with new characters. Um, definitely. Moving on. Moving on. I have, yeah, I said what I've got to say about that one. Right, <laughs> moving on swiftly. <laughs> Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega um, in a one-on-one singles match. Winner faced Adam will face Adam Page, um, who is the Casino Battle Royale winner um, in a future AEW World Championship match. Um, I imagine you've seen this match. Oh. Um, let's start with Chris Jericho's entrance. What did you think to it? Okay, so Chris Jericho's <laughs> entrance, um, the lights flash on with um, a lion heart flashing on the screen, and we get a reverse shot of what looks to be Chris Jericho in his lion heart outfit. It's actually somebody with really wavy hair. Um, then the lights go out again. The next flash is different song. Obviously, they're all fuzzy songs. In this instance, um, it's somebody holding the list of Jericho in Jericho's The List kind of stage outfit. Um, lights flash back on again a third time and somebody is in the Millennium Man slash Codebreaker flashing jacket Um, the fans initially think that is Chris Jericho and start cheering but that's not the case Um, and then the lights go off and once more um, the Titantron this time flashes in black and white I am Chris Jericho yes I am evil and then the lights flash on and Chris Jericho is facing the crowd with his cowboy hat on and his um and his uh, jacket as kind of a culmination of all three of those gimmicks all thrown into one beast of a man who has clearly been working out. Um, Really, really good entrance. Um, Probably not his best. No way near as good as um, break the walls down. But I think, um, I think we may all be a bit biased towards that because that was one hell of an entrance of it in and of itself. Really like Judas's entrance music anyway. Um, but 
No, really impressive entrance. And it, uh, obviously... He might as well promoting himself whilst promoting himself at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it works in and out of kayfabe, so good stuff. Um, Kenny Omega is wearing his Sephiroth outfit. Um, this is the one-winged angel jacket, um, which slightly different. It looks like it's been it's less of a one-off in this instance. It's more of a jacket with the one wing on it. Um, and generally kind of really nice kind of new entrance music that's just a bit more placid and a bit more you're about to see a guy who who means fucking business um really nice entrance there from kenny omega as well um nothing too special nothing that would be of wrestle kingdom standards but certainly just if he dresses like that every time going forward that's not an issue he looks good um cracker barrel did you see the cracker barrel Um, I did not see a cracker barrel. So, at the very start of the match, when they're announcing the two competitors, there is a cracker barrel cracker, uh, sorry, a cracker barrel barrel in the ring where the announcer is stood for no other reason than to promote cracker barrel. Um, the announcer gets out of the ring and leaves the two competitors and the referee stood in the ring within the top right corner from hard cam, a cracker barrel barrel just sat there the referee kind of looks at it looks at the announcer as if to say what why have you left that there then attempts to roll it under the bottom rope which is obviously way too taut to roll a barrel under in the end he just kind of helplessly um helplessly looks at chris jericho who wanders over and just kind of pushes it pushes it through um the rope <laughs> whilst looking as if to say this place is an absolute joke um <laughs> really really cool if it was kayfabe and if it was planned um if it wasn't <laughs> kind of getting a um 1999 wcw um vibe from <laughs> um, that's terrible that's the thing that, it, is, that sounds absolutely terrible it is either terrible or just really really good like well put together it's one of the two it depends whether it's a work or a shoot if it's shoot then they really need to sort that out before the next pay-per-view if it's work then genius bit of work there um to kind of add a bit of heat to chris jericho because of course the fans are quite happy to allow it because at this point they've just seen one of the best wrestling pay-per-views of the year um, so interesting. Um, referee Rick Knox, um, was the referee, I believe. Um, JR does point out several times throughout the show. He calls each of the referees by name and he likes to always follow that up by saying we are allowed to call them by their names here. So nice little dig there to Vince. Um, match starts. Jay, I believe you've got some notes. Please start calling out shots. <laughs> Please start calling out shots, Jay. So Chris Jericho took control early. Uh, Kenny Omega answered with some um, hard-hitting chops. Yep. B-trigger missed yep. uh, in the corner. Um, Chris Jericho answers with chops and shouts, Kenny, like he is a Japanese woman. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, that was definitely, yeah, it was definitely a great, a greatest hits kind of moment, wasn't it? That one. Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> genius, genius. It's just as heelish here as it is in, well, it's just as heelish in America as it is in Japan. Really enjoyed it. Then they had a very really nice spot with a Hurricane Runner attempt into the Lion Tamer as they're going with. Mm-hmm. Yep. I could probably go on for a while. I've got, I've got a lot of notes here. Ah, you can play by player <laughs> if you really want. I guess so. Yeah, um, or just scan it. Either way, I have got no notes. Fair enough. Um, on the other hand, uh, Chris Jericho is... Uh, on point when he when he rings the bell and declares himself the winner. Oh, really, really good. Um, yeah, yeah, love that really spot. spot. Um, it's it's another one of those innovative heel things that he's been doing um, since going over to Japan initially with the camera and the um, and the other stuff that he does. Um, yeah, and no, I really like it. Yeah, so when he pushed um, Kenny Omega into the front row and it starts grabbing the camera and taunting um, mm. Kenny Omega. Yeah, that where Kenny Omega answers with um, spinning water in his face. Really, really good. Um, I loved how it spilled onto the cameras and you got it across both cameras um, and they had to cut to hard cam for a while, if anything. Um, although that does, again, kind of point out that that wouldn't be something WWE had allow. Um, in this instance, it worked because it was exactly the opposite of what WWE would allow. They only allow their cameramen to be hit by ladders, not by water. <laughs> Just saying, yep. ladders were hit on cameramen in Money in the Bank. And then Kenny Omega springs up with a dropkick follow-up. Uh, back in the ring, Omega hits the You Cannot Escape for the two, uh, which would be the rolling senton into the springboard moonsault. You're a good play-by-play guy. Carry on. Um, Jericho back in control. Uh, All chops. coming back. All coming back. <laughs> This is the third time you watched it now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see it replaying in my head as I speak. Oh, you speak. We're the same person, really. I've, Who's beard and beard? I've just been throwing my voice. The whole time. Yep. Yep. That was me being you. Uh, <laughs> the end of KO being terrified now. Uh, which looks like it breaks. Um... Can you make his nose of that? Um, yeah, I believe starts borrowing from his face. It was an early spot for Kenny Omega to get a, um, a broken nose, um, but it was, I believe, it was definitely a broken nose. Let's just double check that while you continue. Uh, on the outside, Chris Jericho gets a table out. Kenny Omega goes for his usual um, sense on um, tope um, onto the outside, um, but obviously the Terminator claps clapping away in the crowd. Uh, so he hits that for uh, after the baseball slide, um, and then he hits a double springboard, double stomp onto the outside and breaks the table onto Chris Jericho. Oh, that was um, the timing was a bit off on that, but it all kind of came off, didn't it? In the end. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that table spot. Mm. I like how they just let them go, like they were in Japan. There was a very strong, well, heavy Japanese style running throughout this whole entire match, obviously because. Yes, that's what um, Omega's been doing for the past God knows how many years. Yeah, of course. Um, 
There was a Snapdragon Super Tempt, elbows by Jericho. Um, Kenny Omega answers with a wheel kick to the back of the head, and you get your first V-trigger to the back of the head, um, where Jericho is face down in the second um, turnbuckle. Absolutely fucking brutal as well. I thought there'd be more V-triggers. I'm quite happy to see less. Uh, yeah, it seemed to be a bit of a um, seemed to be a bit of a favourite um, in regards to um, in regards to the Golden Lovers for a while, um, and I'm quite pleased that Kenny's kind of reined the MMA elements of his style in a bit um, to obviously meet the audience halfway, um, at least over here, um, and at least while he was he was fighting this fight. So um, yeah, no, I, I I kind of liked that. I think there's a story to be told longer term in regards to entering the elements, um, entering the level that he was already in in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I think that there's that he can actually soften his style a bit for a while before he reaches that level again. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he won't take him long. You think if through the week to week, it won't take him long to get back on back on top. I wouldn't think. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's more of a. I think it's more of a um, intentional choice. If I'm honest, I think. Well, I hope it is because obviously they don't want to be accused of making a promotion for themselves just to get over all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think it I think there's an intentional choice there to maybe hold back some of some of his showier elements um, because it's uh, potentially you've got to treat it like a new audience haven't you and to some degree you don't want that audience necessarily necessarily seeing all of your big hits on the first night um, especially not when it's booked to have the result that this match eventually has. I can see where you're coming from, but Lucha and um, Bugs right out there, smashing out all their usual... Yeah, but they're they're allowed to do that. Um, with Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega has to... Kenny Omega has a legend that has to be re-established here, and it doesn't have to be re-established on night one. That's fair enough. Obviously, it would be long-term storytelling um, mm. with that one. Uh, there was a nice spot uh, where there was a one-winged angel attempt. Uh, turned into a uh, reverse German suplex. When I say reverse German suplex, it's a release German suplex. Uh, yeah. Line salt onto the back, line salt then onto the front for a two count. That was a great spot. Yeah, really, really good spot. Thoroughly enjoyed. Um, thoroughly enjoyed him pulling out his more kind of aerial arsenal. Um, in regards to in regards to Chris Jericho, um, there was a point where the commentators so rightfully mentioned that they expected to see more of an MMA infused match, especially considering some of the stuff that Chris Jericho has been doing. Um, yeah, has been doing. Yeah, and um, it, they, it was actually more like it turned back the clock. And yeah, this was very true. Um, it was it was a good it was a good story to tell was him at times turning back the clock much like he did in his intro to show that he is still capable of going at that level very nice to see him wrestle the way he did uh, then there was the um, Tiger Driver uh, attempt blocked and then Kenny Omega goes over the ropes through the table yeah that was brutal um, the 
the, t the way the table folded, usually you expect a kind of straight snap right down the middle. This didn't. This just enveloped him. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. It, the there table, were two yeah. break points just literally. You really, would hit that really, hard. Yeah. Nice. Liked it. And then there is something else. Um, Chris Jericho attempts a suplex, gets pushed off um, the top to be countered by a code breaker for the two count. So yeah, so this is a, um, there was a vertical suplex attempt by Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega threw him off. Uh, Kenny Omega then leaps into the air and then gets caught by a code breaker for the two count. Yeah, um, the the codebreaker catch was a little bit out of place um, in that it, it wasn't quite as executed as nicely as it could have been. Um, but at the same time, I think they did work, uh, considering how knackered they both were at that stage, I think they worked really well with what they had. So, no, I quite, didn't, quite enjoyed that section as well. And this led to a bit of a strong style back and forth into a snap dragon suplex from Kenny Omega. Yep. Um, and then it, really, really fluid. Yeah, no, that the whole match was actually all well put together. See, the problem here with my notes is I know that there's a V trigger, and I know there was a into walls, and then my video froze. So, <laughs> <laughs> from what I could get from the commentators was there was a V trigger attempt into a code breaker, and then the Judas effect, which is the spinning back elbow, and then he got the three count. Uh, yes, that's very much correct. Um, <laughs> so there was um, there was a flub DDT section um, first of all, um, which was that. No, I'm thinking of a different match. Um, no, there was <laughs> there was um, the Judas effect. Yes, um, after that code breaker um, as a back elbow, a little bit underwhelming. Would it make more sense to do the Judas effect into the code breaker? Um, no, because it's a full-on knockout Judas effect. So Kenny Omega just drops like a sack of spuds at the end of it. And now he has a spinning back elbow that doesn't look pretty, and it makes people drop down like a sack of spuds. Yeah, basically. Um, and that's all there is to it. I'm. I think he's kind of going for. Um, I think he's kind of going for the super, super, not even Superman punch, but more of a. You remember when Big Show had his had his punch? Yeah, his knockout punch. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's it's kind of. I think he's going for that, and I kind of. I get what he's going for, but a spinning back elbow is a really bad choice for it. I mean, even Andrade was tweeting online that Jericho stole his move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For me, it just looks a bit... I think there's better. There's better that he could do, if that makes sense. So yeah. I'm not sold on it yet. But to be fair, um, the fans were slightly confused by it as well. But then you can actually find somewhere on YouTube the first ever code breaker and it just gets no response. So sometimes, you know, we can shock ourselves um, or we can be shocked by something long-term um, later on. So, yeah, I don't so know that's what the else match, to say everybody. About it. That was the match, everyone. Yeah, 
Chris Jericho wins it. He goes into some, um, well, you knew something was up when there was still seven minutes left. Um, and Chris Jericho's on the mic calling everyone marks for booing him. Um, <laughs> that was kind of a nice section. Doesn't really he enjoy himself that. being the main attraction of AEW? He does thank himself for being the main attraction of AEW. Um, This is definitely the point where if you haven't watched this, you will definitely want to pause and watch the rest of the show because, well, um, shall I just lead him with his promo, do you reckon? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so what happens next is AEW officially declares war on the WWE. And where the fuck is his promo? God damn it. I had it all laid out. There it is. There it is. One day, it will all come to my funeral just to make sure that I stay dead. But today is not the day. I'm alive. My heart is still beating and I'm breathing. Fresh air for the first time in a long time. My name is John Moxley and I am on a mission to reclaim my soul. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks, you know, it's about time this industry got a facelift. So make no mistake about it, this is an official declaration of war tonight to anyone who wants to get in my way and anybody who stands in AEW's way. We have a mission to knock the pillows of this industry on their ass. We ain't reading history books anymore, baby. We writing them. This is what you call a paradigm shift. John Moxley appears from the audience. Um, what you just heard there is post um, a W tweet from John Moxley. He appears from the audience. Um, attacks Chris Jericho, then goes face-to-face with Kenny Omega, probably Jim Ross's moment of the night, at which point he is shouting, Omega and Moxley, Omega and Moxley, oh my God, in true classic JR fashion. Really works well. They end up fighting towards the stage um, where John Moxley, I believe it is a Death Valley driver. Um, I'm just going to throw out that it is the AA. Yeah, he yeah. does the attitude adjustment. Does the attitude Straight. adjustment. You can say death white drive yeah. if you want, but the way he lifts him off looks like an attitude adjustment. Um, let's just wind forward a bit. I'm just getting a and copy of this. Before this, he took out Jerry and also the ref with his, with a double underhook DDT, which he used to call the Dirty Deeds. Don't know what's going to call it now. Yep. Um, no one called it Dirty Deeds. He does Dirty Deeds. And then an attitude adjustment um, off the top of the six poker chips, giant poker chips, which are part of the set. Um, and... Do you see what I mean by how he lifts him up if you're watching it now? Yeah, it is. You are right. This is an attitude adjustment. Um, this. 
creates a full attitude adjustment onto a bit of black staging, um, which ironically is covered in money. Uh, <laughs> if you're really into your symbolism there, um, that closes out the show um, as he poses and the audience go absolutely insane, Sleepy. as you just yeah. heard there. Um, really, really good segment. Um <sighs> I expected Moxley earlier in the show, but I knew he was definitely going to turn up. What, you were, what you does right. this mean? Put him on the show. I, yeah, you've got to put him on the main show. If you're going to put him on the main show, you may as well put him at the end because it's John fucking Moxley, and that's the thing that you want everyone to talk about, and you definitely don't want him entering a battle royal because he needs to be showcased as a single star. Um, that simple. Um, and you need to insert him straight into the title picture. Um, yeah, this was definitely a declaration of war at the end, was it not? Yes, yes, it was. Fires have been shot. Or did we answer? Or were they just letting them fire shots at them? Um, well, shall we answer that question right now? Yeah. Um, Accountable for your crap, quite frankly. You could ask me anything. You could have asked me about AEW. Sammy, hey, so listen, I know you mentioned that the Universal And that was the one mention that AEW got throughout the whole three hours of Monday Night Raw. Other than that, Monday Night Raw, um, this is the this is two nights after pretty much just played the usual bollocks. Um, yeah, what more can you say? They're going up against the Bachelorette. Um, they brought Lesnar winning money in the bank, gave them a paltry um, 200 million extra viewers um, last week. We don't know what has happened this week in regards to it. Um Shall I just quickly take you through what's happened on Monday Night Raw? Uh, if you want. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler ambushes Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Again. Right. Shane McMahon beats up Lance Anawahe. Um, that is um, NXT prospect Lance Anawahe. Um, and also, this he's a genuine Anawahe. This isn't some kind of backwards reference to... Um, <laughs> to um, Lance Von Erich. He is a genuine Anawahe. He's just one of Roman Reigns' family um, in kind of trunks. He's not a particularly well-known wrestler. He's clearly clearly a bit young to be um, in the spot he's in. Um, but yeah, no, Shane McMahon beats the crap out of him to send a message to um, Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar decides that he is going to cash in the money in the bank. Um, well, more to the point. Brock Lesnar is about to decide who he's going to cash it in on. And then Paul Heyman informs Brock Lesnar that he has a year to cash it in. So, super show then. 14 years into its existence, the winner of the Money in the Bank ladder match, who wasn't even officially entered into the ladder match, has to have how the Money in the Bank 
works explained to him by his advocate after two weeks of celebrating it. So at no point, we are supposed to believe in kayfabe, at no point has anyone explained to him what the money in the bank briefcase actually allows for him. At no point in the preceding two weeks since money in the bank. Nearly 10 days. Welcome to the Brock party. Yep, that is the Brock party. Obviously, Brock Lesnar appears um, with um, his uh, boombox style thing. Um, what more can you say? He, he, he basically memes it up. Um, here's his introduction on Monday Night Raw. Be careful what you wish for, Rollins. For the benefit of those of you just listening, he is walking down the aisle with a Money in the Bank briefcase, which he has converted into a boombox and is dancing. All Brock Lesnar does is what Brock Lesnar wants to do. Does he do the running man? I don't understand what's happening right now. It's a beast. Sorry? Does he do the running man? Um, let's have a look. <laughs> He's laughing a bit. Uh... I'm waiting for him to do the running man now. Yes, he does the running man. Excellent, excellent. He does the running man once he gets into the ring. Um, Brock Lesnar cannot dance. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. What's he going to do? <laughs> Steal my woman from me and then taunt me over the telephone. Anyway. What are you talking about? <laughs> ricochet, ricochet and Cesaro um, yeah they have a fight Baron Corbin <laughs> and Bro- <laughs> Baron Corbin defeats Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley and The Miz in a four way match um, Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse is good because it's Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse. You can see that on YouTube. Um, and then there's the electric chair, um, which is Corey Graves's new thing where apparently you can ask him absolutely anything. Um, in this case, Sami Zayn is in the electric chair, which is where the aforementioned AEW clip comes from. Um, Things are going to get wild in the third hour Raw now. Yes, indeed. Yeah. They made the logo wild. black. And to follow that wildness, of course, um, Seth Rollins then faces Sami Zayn. Um, and yeah, one of the questions Sami Zayn was asked was um, well, what led up to it all was Sami Zayn being asked, um, how come you've never held the Universal Championship by a fan? Um, to which that was where he stated, I'm not interested in that. Is this all you're going to ask? You could even ask me about AEW if you want, at which point an AEW chant rates out and nobody um, asked for a, well, nobody asked any questions about AEW and Corey Graves swiftly moves on. Um, beyond that, Seth Rollins then faces Sami Zayn and the announcers keep talking up Sami Zayn's chances of getting a future Universal Championship match with a win, even though moments ago he said he wasn't interested in it. And that's it. That's Raw. That's that's WWE's answer to AEW. Brilliant. More of the same. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't watch it. <laughs> 
Bye, everybody. No, um, <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely fucking pitiful. Um, interesting things coming out of AEW other than this. Um, Sasha Banks was quite vocal on Twitter in regards to this, um, tweeting out, congratulations, ladies. I am excited for women's wrestling, and I love wrestling throughout the night. Um, the Revival um, took notice of Tag Team Wrestling by tweeting, um, Tag Team Wrestling, um, just just the words tag team wrestling that's scott dawson cheers scott and dash um just an emoji with two eyes open um greg hamilton wasn't feeling it in a now deleted tweet um the wwe usos are the greatest tag team on the planet period he misspelled period period um and the only argument that could possibly be made tonight in Vegas would be if the hashtag New Day happened to be there and they aren't. Great match, fellas, but nah, fam. That's Greg Hamilton there. Um, do we know who Greg Hamilton is? Greg Hamilton sounds familiar. Greg Hamilton. He works for WWE. Um... Oh, he's the ring announcer for WWE. Oh, there we go. Yeah. He's the guy who's even less recognizable as a ring announcer than Justin Roberts of AEW. Um, Yeah. What else is there to say? Um, Bret Hart um, slipped backstage after the show, but he's said to be okay. Um, And, of course, did you see the AEW belt? Uh yeah. What do you think yeah. to it? Mm, looks like a belt. <laughs> like a, a real championship off. belt. I wouldn't say a real championship belt. It's definitely a mesh of two belts that everyone's seen before. But it so looks it's, like it's, a it's proper set, belt. It's out the same as the Impact Championship. But it also looks like the old gold belt at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like a title belt. Yeah, I guess so. And not a child's toy. But there's a lot going off. In the yeah, design. it is a little bit visually messy, you are right. Yeah. Um, but no, I quite like it as a belt. Um, looks like, like a championship belt. Um, I would, I'm surprised that they didn't go for something a bit more traditional, though, a bit more NWA, especially considering Cody's love affair with the NWA championship, of course. Um, it does look a little bit TNA, you are right, and we're talking bad TNA. Not um, what about New Impact Because it's got the uh, main belt part, and then it's got the um, three sections on the side, like the Impact one. Impact um, but, then it, but then it looks like the um, big gold belt, so like the old N- NWA ties at the same time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the big gold belt from WCW and WWE. Yeah, no, I, can, yeah I get what you mean. Thing, but the design is more, more emphasized like... and more. Just a bit much, I think, with the design. As, as um, in the visually, as in, like, the pattern on it. Yeah, you see, I would quite, quite like heavy. if they'd... Yeah, I quite like if they just kind of... I quite like if... Bit. Are we done? Me? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's um, I quite, I quite like if they'd have just done the gold belt and just thrown AEW over the face of it. Yeah, that would have been brilliant. What do you reckon? Throw him a tweet. Let's change it. My name's Ben. Um, do it like this. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, or alternatively, if they'd have just done a bit of an NWA throwback style, that would have been fine. Or a bit of decent gold. Um, no, I thoroughly like the belt. Um, I'd prefer it over the WWE Championship belts, um, especially the more recently introduced ones. Um, but they're still really going to need to introduce more title belts. I mean, they need the, a mid-card title. Are. And then they need like a tag team title, possibly a triple man tag team, six man tag team title. Maybe I would like a death match title. Maybe a what? A death match title. I think a death match title would be a good plan. Um, I think a tag team title would probably be a good plan as well. And then I think you could do Cruiserweight and Never Open White. And I think that'd do it. Um, and then probably once you've shown the depth that your tag team roster can have, then introduce a three-way or a cruiserweight tag team. Mm. And then obviously you've got the women's. Um, I do think that the women's belt should be equivalent in presentation to the men's. That's the well, one element of the WWE um, of the WWE belt philosophy that I do like is that. Well, it took yeah. a while to get there, but I'm pretty sure AEW will jump on top of that, considering how much they talk about how it's going to be equal within their company, for women for pay and rights and just everything in general. So. Yeah, I mean, the the belt itself is supposed to be a representation of the prestige of the position, um, and certainly traditionally, um, the belt would have been yeah, it won't have been worth the worth the half a million dollars that and you know those kind of prices that they used to state, but. I mean, the WCW gold belt, for instance, that was real. Um, that was real kind of 24 karat plating on top of it, um, at least the original. And there was a, um, I think it was a $50,000 deposit that had to be paid when you got it from the wrestler. Right. In order, <laughs> like, that. that's not even, like, <clears throat> because there was a comment from Ric Flair, you know, when Jim Hurd sacked him yeah. um, and he went to the WWE with it. He was like, I made more money by losing my deposit and taking it over to WWE. I made that money back in a, in a few nights with having the belt physically on another television show. And it's true. Um, but yeah, there is a deposit that goes with those kind of things. Um, if you are that type of, if they are worth something, I think that's, I like that level of prestige. I think this belt, you are right. Now that you've mentioned it, it does look a little bit tacky, like a bit messy, doesn't yeah, it? It does. Need to strip it back a little bit. It'll be fine. It just needs one plate. It doesn't need th- it doesn't need five plates. It needs three plates at most. Yeah, also, well, the reveal know, the of it was design. a bit flubbed as well. I don't know well, if you saw. Wasn't MJF getting the crap beat out of it? Bret Hart decided just like get it out and display it around like he just won it. <laughs> That's yeah, <all> basically, <laughs> basically, um, he kind of screwed it up. He met, he met, he missed where the hard cam was. He pointed it towards the aisle, even though the hard cam, <laughs> or even though the hard cam um, from the aisle perspective facing the ring was on ring right, like it is um, at most right. WWE shows. Um, and he just stood there staring up the aisle, holding it in the air. Uh, whilst they all fought in the, and nobody actually told him to get it out. I think at some point, I reckon one of the ring hands most likely 
informed the two of them how much time they had left on the segment. And obviously, Bret Hart believed that that was his cue to get it out rather than actually just informing Jack Whitehall when he had to tell him to get it out and when he had to move away. So, Never mind. Never it mind. was supposed to be Ric Flair, apparently, according to the rumors innuendo, but he had surgery, so they got Brett instead. And Cody for him personally to ask him. Oh, that's nice of Cody. Um, obviously, it would make sense for it to be Ric Flair, um, with Conrad being married to one of Ric Flair's daughters. Um, yeah, um, obviously, it would make perfect sense for that to be the case. And Ric Flair himself being relatively ill at the moment. Get well soon, Rick. He's a friend of the show, you know. Friend of the show. <laughs> and that's pretty much all we've got on AEW at the moment what do you think is um, what, moving forward where are we going we are going towards All Out that will be the next time we do an AEW specific no we no are. actually there is more before that um, there is of course Fight Thingy what's it called AEW Fight AEW Fight for the Fallen AW Fight for the Fallen. There we go. I knew I'd get there at the end. <laughs> fight for the Fallen is the upcoming um, AEW um, televised wrestling event. Currently scheduled for that, we've got Kenny Omega versus Seema. That is going to be an insane match, especially if you have been lucky enough to see Seema's tag team match. Also got um, announced Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus the Young Bucks, um, Matt Jackson and Which Nick is Jackson. Which now being billed as Dustin's last match. This was supposed to be his last match. He didn't know he was meant to be in a tag team match, apparently. Um, unless that's just all kayfabe. Um, I reckon we're going to see a, a heavy mix of kayfabe in this in this fed, so who knows. Um, and then, of course, Brandy Rhodes versus Ali. Other thing we've got to mention while we move in while we move um, out of this kind of area, um, if you want to keep track of John Moxley, um, we will be doing a cast a cast on the best of Super Juniors final at some point, as well as Dominion. We'll probably do that as both. Um, John Moxley is ex. Expected to appear New Japan Pro Wrestling on the fifth of on the fifth of the sixth, which is next Wednesday, um, in the best of the Super Junior Finals, and then move into that Sunday, possibly doing some work um, at Dominion. Um, John Moxley going to New Japan Wrestling would probably be a good fit. I mean, he's always had a hard hitting style, and now he can actually do it without looking like he's showing light all the time. I'm sure he's going to enjoy that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, so yeah, no, you'll fit, fit, fit in quite well. Um, but will he be in the G1? I think that's speculation that you need to throw out there. I think. I don't think there's going to be another time in his career where he is going to be as physically capable in doing a G1 as he is now, um, and as available in doing a G1 as he is now. So him being in the G1 would be, this is the opportunity. If he ever wants to fight in the G1 tournament, this is the opportunity. Um, For those of you not aware in regards to the G1 Climax, this is a round-robin 32-man tournament that is held across um, 
New Japan Pro Wrestling. This year, it is expected to be... When are we looking at here? Um, It will take place from the July 6th to August the 12th. um, And the first night of the tournament will be held at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, um, marking this the first time the tournament has been held outside of japan um for its opening night like the previous year the final three shows will be held at um nippon budokan um, so it's a round robin tournament event um in which you have two blocks block a and block b um one two three four five six seven eight nine ten people in each uh, um, so that's 20 people in total, um, at least in last year's G1. Um, it's had numerous winners um, who have gone on. Um, there's a, there is a final at the end um, where people fight and the winner goes to Wrestle Kingdom. Um, there's very often competitors from outside of Pan Pro Wrestling in as guests. Um so, Jay, I'm very excited about the prospect of John Moxley being in that. How about you? Yeah, it should definitely be interesting um, with this type of um, tournament and the start they have to perform as well. It's going to be hard-hitting uh, throughout, so it would be very interesting to see if he can keep up, which I think he can. Um, this is probably one of the reasons why he left WWE. Mm. Um, well, he's, he's never going to have... Promotions. He's never going to have a better opportunity, and... Um, Utterly honest with the G1, it's a bit rarer for um, an outsider to appear in it. Um, although it's not unheard of, um, it's a bit rarer than um, than in some of the other things like Super Junior or um, some of the never open weight um, style tournaments. I mean, David Boy Smith Jr. has done it before. Um, several other people have appeared before whilst working for other promotions, but he would he would be a bit of a uh, Jay White obviously in 2018 at the time he was walk- working cross promotion and Zach Sabre Jr. has been working cross promotion for a while but it would be really interesting for um, for someone to just come in and actually compete for that period of time and John Moxley would be the perfect guy and his conditioning would be right to do it considering and if he was- if it was a mainstay in Japan Pro Wrestling as well, obviously that would bring the American audience in, which is who they're trying to attract at the moment. And obviously with the familiar face from the Shield within mm. that promotion. And if he does stay there for a while, he will, he will kind of attention from that for them. Yeah, um, especially considering that New Japan have maybe not had the best sales on their tickets to um, the G1 special and the G1 opening um, about in Dallas. Um, as they thought that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes weren't that important to the American audience, and they were wrong. They were wrong. massively wrong. Um, Fight for the Fallen, of course, that is on July 13th, 2019. Um, it will be followed by um, AEW All out um august 31st 2019 what we're effectively looking at at that point is the last stop before 
the battle lines are drawn for television. This is the moment where AEW start going all out. It makes perfect sense for them to call it all out because this is where they they really have fully wound up. And interesting things coming out of this. The all-out symbol. Jay, tell us about what's so interesting about the all-out symbol. Well, the the all-out symbol has the four stars which are in CM Punk's flag. But also, if you look at the Chicago flag, they are the four same stars. So mm-hmm. it could be a reference to Chicago or CM Punk. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one. Um, the flag of Chicago, obviously, um, does have um, several stars on it. Um, Four Rex pointed stars um, arranged in a horizontal row. Um, obviously, All Out is going to be held in Chicago. It's the Sears Center as well, which, I mean, it's a WWE AC. This is them going to war. It just seems very, very strange that they would choose to do to do include that with what it means in regards to CM Punk? Yeah, no, if they've bagged CM Punk, they are going to get a lot of viewers. Well, if yeah. CM Punk's on their weekly show, week in, week out. Yeah. Um, a lot of potential I mean, there. I think that, I think that if, if they don't have CM Punk and they put those four stars... Granted, it's in Chicago, and I get it, but they if they bagged CM Punk and they put those four stars on there, and we are talking two stars to the left of the All Elite Wrestling Federation, two stars to the right of the All Elite Wrestling um, Wrestling logo. So this is exactly where CM Punk's symbol would be. They must have some yeah. fucking balls if they do. If they have not already signed CM Punk, they must have some fucking balls on them because everyone's this expecting was, this it was now. Khan's number one pick. That's who he wanted. That his number one pick. Mm. Yeah, and he um, says, "I've got about just about everybody that I wanted." Just about, other than CM Punk. So how much money do you think he's going to throw it and try and get him? Mm. Um, if he wants him that bad. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to throw quite a bit of money at him. Um, and I don't, I cannot see any reason. W- well, I get that this is a Chicago thing, but you would have to be absolutely nuts to stick that on a wrestling promotion for um, on a wrestling promotion poster in 2019 with in all Chicago, the talk in Chicago, and not have CNC and Punk on the show. Yeah, you would have to have balls of fucking steel. I mean, if people just turn up and get a standard wrestling show that's slightly better than TNA's fucking Bound for Glory event in October of 2008, which was the last non-WWE wrestling piece there at the Sears Center, they're going to fucking riot. It's fucking Chicago. There are going to be people turning up specifically because they expect CM Punk to be there based off that sign we're just going to have to um, keep an eye on the rumours and innuendos coming to, coming towards that show 
Yep. Well, they won't give anything away. You know they won't. But interesting, interesting, really exciting. Um, cannot wait for it. Are we going to go with an AEW podcast? I think we're going to have to have. We're going okay. to have to. We're going to have to do something, aren't we? Yeah, no, no I don't mind um, doing a week show. Yeah. Um, so. Or a. Uh, yeah. Two weeks at yeah. a time. That sounds all right. Yeah, we're gonna work out. We're gonna work out something to actually get a format that's manageable here. Um, <laughs> at some point, we will put out a consistent piece of content that's just not us cherry picking what we do and don't. Uh, uh, but we'll work it out. But no, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna cover AEW as one of our primary federations. We've got AEW. We've got New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think we've got. Um, We've obviously got um, Progress Wrestling and then everything else. <laughs> everything else that we're watching. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maybe just for some Uncharted territory, some MLW. Yeah. Why not? Some Defy, yeah. some Defiant. And let's not let's not even start with um, some of the classic content that we've got coming everyone's way. Um, yeah. We've got got quite a bit to see and do. <laughs> well, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we got some work to do. <laughs> yep, yep. Definitely got some work to do. Um, what should we? What should we? What should our players all out with? Um, this will do. I don't even know if I've mixed it with anything. <laughs> he was on the show. <laughs> yeah. The best I could offer. Bit of Ty Dillinger. Well, this yeah, is our just first AEW thing. show. There will be more to come. Yeah. I've been Beard. He's been Bear. Beard and Bear what out. What else is there to say? Yeah, Beard and Bear out. Enjoy. Enjoy. Don't forget we've got podcasts coming. Um, definitely listen to us on our various various places where you can listen to us um, or oh, uh, definitely like definitely your Spotify. Um, <laughs> definitely Spotify <laughs> of course we are available on Anchor Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify Breaker Overcast Pocket Cast Radio Public and Stitcher definitely give a listen to us shout out to my boy Mitch um, I don't know who Mitch is. I just made someone up so it sounded like we have listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like professional.
everything you said If it didn't know better, I guess you'd love the ready dead Minus zombies walking around with a limp and a hunch Saying stuff like, you only live once You got one time to figure it out One time to twist and one time to shout One time to think and I say we start now Sing it with me if you know what I'm talking about Gangsters don't cry, therefore, therefore I'm Mr. Misty Inspires me like a dog, inspires a rabbit.